It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flowtrack Podcast. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is our email address. I'm Kevin. He's going recapping the penultimate day of track action at the Olympics. Gordon, good morning. How are you? Doing good. It was weird having no track last night, right? So there was no morning session in Tokyo uh, today, I guess, for Tokyo, yesterday for us. But last night, we're so used to seeing a couple one-off races here and there, some prelims or some finals at the night session. I mean, there's nothing. It was uh, it was empty. So I, we, I didn't know what to do with my time. What did you do with your evening yesterday after having back-to-back-to-back-to-back evenings with track and field going on? I... Checked in on the beach volleyball, you know, got got acquainted oh, okay. with some other Olympic sports and went to bed earlier. So that way I could actually be rested for basically the first time since we started doing these things, because this this session got started later as well, too. This is the latest we've recorded. And we do have one scheduling note for people who were really anticipating that marathon live podcast. They yeah. moved up because of heat. They moved the women's marathon up an hour. So previously, we were going to go live at 5 p.m. Pacific time. We will now be going – or sorry, Central time. We will now be going live at 4 p.m. Central time. I've alerted all the relevant parties involved. I've arranged for alternate child care uh, supervision. So I'm going to be there. Lincoln's going to be there. Travis is going to be there. Everything is in place. However, it appears – if this tweet from Evan Dunphy is correct, that no one told the people running the race because he said that they changed it while people were asleep, which makes sense because it's the morning, like the morning right before the, uh, the race. And he says, amateur hour from the IOC changing the time of the women's marathon, nine hours before the bus leaves when many athletes are already asleep. So that might play a factor also starting it earlier we know it's been hot over there too could could impact that that race just giving an advantage to people uh, or maybe less of a disadvantage to those who who struggle in the heat so we'll be going an hour earlier this afternoon and they'll be starting an hour earlier over there in japan they have not though i don't know have you seen gordon have they changed the men's start time yet i i don't know but i'm just thinking about the <laughs> thinking of the time and then yeah, you gotta wake everyone. What? That's gonna be wild. That's gonna be a wild uh, morning for some of these athletes if they literally are asleep when it got changed. I mean, it's what eleven o'clock right now in Tokyo, ten p.m. Eleven. Mm-hmm. It's eleven. So it's eleven. I mean, yeah. What time do people go to bed? I guess if you have a, a marathon in the morning, I don't know. I guess you try to go to bed at nine, but you you might be jittery because it's the Olympics. So, oh, hey, maybe that's a way to. Get a medal is because when the medal famous just sleeps in and oversleeps, you know, yeah. it's like misses the bus. That'll be a great storyline. I mean, it'll be a bad storyline because it'll be it'll be ridiculous if that happened. But uh, I think it was it for weather. 
that's what the state's for or it wasn't mm-hmm. for like tv time or anything like that okay mm-hmm. so it was just yeah weather yeah but that's what i wonder about the sunday with the men's marathon is the weather gonna get that much different i don't know yeah it's like a seinfeld episode if there's anybody over sleeping out there uh yeah according to dunphy says the weather hasn't changed for days so he was asking well why why would they change it at the basically the last possible moment the least convenient time to do it um the other different thing literally about, the 11th hour it was 11 yeah. o'clock <laughs> yes exactly the, the other interesting thing about today we're getting into just pure finals time now gordon we had that four by those four by four heats to kick off the session and then everything from here on out is straight finals 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 i'll let you pick where we start so we had two four by ones we had a women's 15 a women's 400 and a men's 5000 that we're gonna gonna recap here on the running event side where do you want to start we've got to start with the men's 5k man our boy paul chalimo another medal gets third did a podcast with him two weeks ago Told him I was gambling $100 on every event. I said, should I put $100 on you? And he was like, I don't know. Put $100 on me meddling. And so I did that. And Paul Chalimo won me $275. So thank you, Paul Chalimo. Uh, But more importantly, obviously, it's not about that. But Paul Chalimo finding a way to, you know, be in it when it matters most. He looked at this regular season as just building up to this one race. And, you know, he comes in with a PB, a season's best of like 1320. You saw what he did on the indoor circuit, nothing much. But he was in it, and he kind of felt like he was kind of controlling the race during the middle parts. He was always up in that front top three. He looked smooth the entire time. And then once that big breakaway was made by Chepta guy, he was able to hold on and dive for that third-place finish, which I I was thinking, like, "Uh uh-oh, this is it. He's going to get out lean and get fourth. But he found a way to grind it out, get third. Mohamed found a way to once again be on the podium. I, Ahmed just, man, he kicked close. He closed hard. Very impressive. Check the guy again in redemption for a 10K. That's a quick mm-hmm. highlight of the 5K. But I wanted to start off with our boy Paul Chalimo, friend of the podcast, getting another Olympic medal. This race started off pretty modestly paced. So you're thinking, okay, it's going to play into the hands of Katir, but then it got going towards the middle and Kip Limo was up there doing some leading and it felt a little bit like the, the, the 10,000 in that respect where they were trying to keep it honest so that the, the kickers wouldn't have a shot, but it was just a big, a big wind up there over those last couple of laps. Shepty guy goes to the front with 600 to go. But if, yeah, if you asked me early on in the race, Hey, you know, looking at the times, I would have thought now that I don't think they'll get, get that quick. And, with about, it went from eight people pretty much down to four or five in a blink of an eye, right? That move when Cheptegei went to the front and started to press the pace, it immediately separated the group. And that's when Katir was gone. And I thought, okay, I thought he would be able to hang with this pace because he's run 1250s before. And the entire time I'm watching it, Gordon, this is what I'm thinking. It's like no Ingebrigtsen in here, no Borrega who had just won the 10K and they, and they had some stat of the broadcast I was watching how rare it is for the 10k champ to not come back in the 5k and ultimately I think Ethiopian Federation regrets that decision um so they all have one Ethiopian there in the final and it's not the guy who won the 10k it it looked all of a sudden as if oh man Chalimo's gonna have a shot to medal Ahmed's gonna have a shot to medal 
all these possibilities then opened up there over that last portion of the race. Mohamed in particular, did you see his last like 150? Yeah, I mean, I saw Here's why, the last well, you saw the whole for race. everyone. But I, yeah, what, yeah. Was there, did you get a specific split that was impressive or something? Well, look at how he ran it. He hugged the rail tightly, which was interesting because remind me what happened at the Olympic trials? Because he was behind Chalimo. What happened at the Olympic trials? Uh, Chalimo moved out and <laughs> Cooper Tier had a clear lane in lane one. <laughs> yeah, but Bowerman Track Club teammates of Mohamed, Woody Kincaid, and Grant Fisher went out well. Went outside as well, too, right? This time, and I don't know if he actually was planning this, but this is how it worked out. Cholimo drifted a little bit, so Ahmed was able to stay on the rail and went out and then had a clear run to the finish to get all the way up for silver because he was pretty far. He was behind. Uh, he was in like fourth or fifth with with 150 to go, and he, and he gets up and then it's clearly a race for third here. And I don't know about you, Gordon, but it started to feel pretty 2016 with me. Like I was shocked there was not a at least a protest after this race, and we never saw the head-on angle. But Chalimo was going out, and Camelli was there. They were going. It looked like Camelli was going to get passed, and then Chalimo had one little move. I never saw a a clear angle, and they did the medal presentation. So I think it's all said and done. But I was just waiting. I was refreshing the results, refreshing the results, being being sure to to listen uh, back and and hear what. Um, the announcers were saying to see if there was, because I thought at the very least there might even be a a a protest. Um, so it's Chalimo is just always entertaining in these races. Like there's never not a time. It could be a prelim, it could be a final. Like he always brings brings the excitement here. Um, I'm thankful, I guess, because this would have been it would you know remember 2016 when they told him after the race like on live TV, hey, you've been DQ'd. Yeah, that was that was not good. <laughs> no, and then he got reinstated, and then, and and I think that's yeah. prop. We it, it would not have been a one chapter saga if there was a DQ. I think there would have been a bunch because there was multiple people going back and forth in 2016 with with protests. Because I remember Idris got got DQ'd as well. I think he stayed DQ'd, but Chilimo got reinstated. But you look at look at these two. I mean, let's let's go through the the medalists here. So you have Chepta guy. You mentioned Avengers the 10K loss, so his first Olympic gold, but he won one in 2019 and then won a gold here. You have Ahmed, who's got another medal, and he's just been so consistent. Fourth in 2016, fourth in, in 2019, um, medaled in, tw- in, in, in 2019 in the, in, the, in the 10K. Like, and then Chalimo with three medals now. Like that group up front, it makes sense when you look at their records, okay, this is a, a top three. But going in, there were so many other possibilities of, of who could actually get these medals. Yeah, and speaking of medals, Paul Chalimo not only is the first time an American has gotten two uh, Olympic medals in the 5K, in the men's 5K, he becomes the 13th man ever to get two Olympic medals in the men's 5K. Um in the past 20 years, only three other people have done it. Bekele, Kipchoge, and Farah. Pretty good mm. company to be in. So, <laughs> And Kipchoge was the one who got silver and bronze in his two. So silver and bronze for um, Paul Chalimo. Are we going to see Paul Chalimo in like 10 years now? 
breaking two minutes in the, in the marathon? Probably not. But long story <laughs> short, yeah. it just shows that he wasn't. He's not a one-hit wonder. He's been able to be consistent. Um, and a lot mm-hmm. of these guys, Mohamed, he's shown his consistency. Right? You mentioned it, his fourth place mm-hmm. finishes, and Chepta guy has been able to show that his double world records in 2020 weren't for nothing and that they meant something mm-hmm. because he was able to follow up those world record performances with a silver and a gold. Cause I feel like if he would have came into these Olympics and got like fourth or fifth and a third, people mm-hmm. will kind of start being like the world records matter anymore. Right. Cause I mean, they still matter, but mm-hmm. some, if, if the person who's breaking the world record can't get on a podium, what are we doing here, right? There should be some cat. There should be some value in being the fastest man in the field, and yeah. Chepta guy has kind of backed that up with a, a second and a, and a first. And his second place in the ten k was almost a first. So, uh, yeah, Chepta guy definitely having a good run here of two years, coming off the two world records and now two Olympic medals. Yeah, and then you go back to twenty nineteen, and he got the the ten thousand gold too. So really, really three years. But he hadn't raced that much this year, and the one big track race he ran in monaco it looked like he played his hand right he pushed the pace and inger britson and company just swallowed him up and he was a non-factor in the back end of that race that turned out to be a complete anomaly because like if this wasn't a 1242 race which is what we thought hey he might need to run that if he's going to win this 1258 yeah it's fast but he did it off of a off of a really impressive close too i'm 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 impressed. I know it's weird to say you underrated the world record holder going into the Olympics, but in a way, just because the field looked to be so stacked and because of the way he had run this year, you thought, okay, there's there's some guys here who could challenge, particularly Katir. I was surprised he was not a factor because he's just dropped crazy time in the 15, the three, and the five. And this was this seemed to be to set up perfectly for him. I guess he would have preferred a little bit quicker pace from the gun, but you could tell he was not. He was towards the back of that pack, towards the back of that pack early on, whereas Shalimo immediately asserted himself up there. Chepta guy was constantly in the mix. It was, a, it was a fun race, entertaining race. Again, surprised there were not any, uh, any protests. And we should also mention, if you look further down the list here, uh, Justin Knight, if we could pull those results again real quickly. Uh, Justin Knight uh, finished seventh. Just behind uh, Kameli, Kiplimo, and Belu. Katir was eighth. Fisher, ninth. Uh, Mengesha, which was Ethiopia's only entrant, was 10th. And then in 12th, Luis Grajalva, 13-10. National record for Guatemala has had quite a journey even to get to this race, but ends his season. Well, I think it's the end of his season. Maybe it's not the end of his season. <laughs> if it is the end of his season, ends his season in style. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was he was going from not having a qualifier to then getting a qualifier and not being able to go to the Olympics to then be able to go to the Olympics and then making a final to then getting another PB 1310. I have a feeling Grijalva going into 2022. I think he's, he's, he's setting himself up for a breakout year maybe, and, you know, could put in, put him in the categories of, you know, the Grant Fishers and the Woody Kincaid's where, Hey, maybe in 2022, he's in that, that lead pack with three laps to go and see if he can hold on. I'm not sure he's ready to be in the, the metal category. Uh, he he didn't take a, two more steps to get there, but I think he's ready to take one step to get in like the Grant Fisher, maybe back end of Justin Knight category. 
Because mm-hmm. he's basically yeah, run you... as good as they ran when they were in college. And you're seeing what Knight and Fisher are doing now with two years out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what Gorhalvin needs. He just needs like two years out of NAU. Not mm-hmm. that NAU is bad. It'll be the same coach, but you know. Oh, I hear what you're saying, Gordon. I think that that's, that's <laughs> out of line. You look, speaking of NCAA, you got Ahmed and Chalimo, two NCAA guys in second and third. Then you have Knight and Fisher in seventh and ninth. So four of the top nine, you drop down to Rahal, but five of the top 12. Kincaid in there in, in 14th. Six, six of these finalists had run in the NCAA system. All right. Um, we got some breaking news. Getting, got some breaking, got some breaking news. news here. U.S. is protesting Jamaica's four by one, which was mentioned on the broadcast. That could be a possibility when I was when I was watching. Again, not the protest I was anticipating, but uh, we're putting this tweet up here. It says U- USA protest zonal infringement against Jamaica's four by one women's relay team. So maybe by the end of this pod, we will have an answer to that question, and we'll be able to. Well, how about we talk about the women's four by one last in order? I'll let you pick what okay. we do next. But let's see women's four by one last well, well, because may, I, maybe they might have it sorted out by then. Well, we know let's talk about it. I think it, whether or not they sort it out or not. Okay, you want to talk about women's four by one last? We'll talk. Well, here's about the thing. Four by one last. I never saw that. I'm just trying to create these talk- segments. I'm trying to create segments for Travis. You know, we're going. Well, yeah, started the four by one lot- talk, and now we're going off of it. Well, the segment will sound a lot better when we actually know if they were DQ'd or not. Versus because I never saw it. I did not see one okay. single replay. The, the, I think the exchange in question is the first exchange. When it was Williams to Thompson, hurrah! I saw they that exchange with with the U.S. in focus, but the, the Jamaica was Jamaica was not in the camera angle, so I have n- no idea. Just as I did not see the men's 5K head-on shot to see what was going on, I, if there was a replay out there, I missed it. Please share it. We'll find it. Uh, but I but I have no idea if they ran out of the zone in that one. All right, we'll end with the, we'll go we'll we'll circle back on the women's four by one, break it down. Let's go to the men's four by one. Man, Italy. Italy. If 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 you if someone came to you in not even 2020, if someone came to you in July of 2021 <laughs> and said Italy would win the men's hundred and the men's four by one, you would you would not listen. You would. Uh, I'm not sure. What, I'm trying to think of what a crazy thing you would do, but you would you would not feel like you would not feel like it's reality. It would not feel real. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're dreaming. No one had Italy on anyone's uh, radar going into this for not just a medal. I don't even think people were thinking medal, right? People didn't have Italy even as a medalist in the 100 or 4 by one And now they're, they're gold medalists uh, led by Marcel Jacobs, who mm-hmm. obviously we saw what he did with this breakout performance in the 100. He came into with no, he, he had like a massive PB in the three rounds. And then now he's anchoring a team where it wasn't just Italy. It's not just, oh, you're the one guy. We, you know, People said, oh, he was born in El Paso, so it's not real. No, no bull. he just was born. He lived all his life in Italy. But the three other guys come together, and they were all focused on that 4 by one and they were able to use the talent of Jacobs, his 9-8 talent, to get them mm-hmm. that strong second leg and be able to win in 37-5. I was flabbergasted. Mm-hmm. I thought Canada was going to win because I knew obviously they had the grass and I thought Aaron Brown was a strong leg, but man, Italy sprint. You are they, are they, are they a new sprint powerhouse? 
country. They are the you new know, sprint powerhouse. It's it's Italy's world in the men's sprints. We're all just living in it. Um, yeah, so that's the fifth fastest time in history. Now, 37-1 last year for the U.S. in in Doha, two years ago, excuse me. So they also have Tortu, and Tortu has been overshadowed by Jacobs, but he's run sub-10. He went out in the semis here, but and before there was Jacobs, Tortu was the guy. You'd see him in Diamond Leagues. You'd see him put up you know, solid performances. So I knew they had two guys that they could hang their hat on. And listen, once the U.S. went out, this thing became wide open. And you saw how close it was. It looked like Great Britain could hold on there, but Tortu was able to get Mitchell Blake at the last, at the last second. But was this? I don't. It, it's shocking only in terms of if you told me this a month ago. Because if you told me going into the race that they had a shot with what we've seen Jacobs do and just the parody in general of 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 the event with the favorites out, yeah. It seemed reasonable. Yeah, I just was thinking it's going to be either Canada, Great Britain, or Jamaica after U.S. was knocked out. I was like, okay, it's going to be one of those three. I thought Italy maybe could find a way to get second or third, but I just did not see them coming up here and putting together 37-5. It was just very impressive. You see their progression here. Um, it, you know, they had had 38 I mean, up until this year, so... Yeah, incredible. J Jamaica had no guy in the men's hundred final, right? So they had nobody who could run with Jacobs already, anywhere close to Jacobs. And then you put Tortu in though there, who made a semi, and you got the making, you got the foundation of a really good team, um, and you get your passes right, and then you're all you're all set. I don't, yeah. I mean, Canada, I agree, because you, you know. You know, DeGrasse, you know, he's solid. But again, when you have the guy who run, runs night eight and wins the open hundred, and then the re and then there's nobody who has really four. It's not like the women's four by one with Jamaica, where you have, okay, that's like four solid legs. You know, three, one, two, three in the hundred. You don't need to be that good, but even three finalists would have sufficed. And then another person who is a diamond league quality. Nobody had that. In this race so then it makes sense that the person or the team who had that best individual would have a leg up leroy burrell tweeted it is great to see the success that euro that european countries and athletes have had in tokyo many athletes from around the world have benefited from greatly from the european athletics infrastructure for many years they really got a return on their investment at the olympic games yeah, I mean, you see less and less European athletes come over to, you know, a lot of people use the NCA system as the, the best breeding ground for getting 18 to 22 year olds ready for mm -hmm. their prime 20s. And Europe has another good little infrastructure going on with the way they develop their athletes to get them to the best they can be between, you know, the U23 Euros is always a great, it's basically similar to like an NCA championship. It's not NCA mm -hmm. level yet, but it's it's getting there. And now, you know, we're seeing the fruits of the labor, as Leroy said. They're they're winning Olympic gold. It's, mm -hmm. it's wild. Yeah, they picked up they picked up a bunch of medals in this in this competition, and you know, famously, you get the high jump gold, you get the hundred meter men's champion, you got the four by one title. They won the European Cup in soccer. It's it's Italy's year, basically. We should have seen this coming. Powerless to stop year. it. That is funny. Uh, yeah.
that's interesting to say that the European Cup it was versus Great Britain as well, or versus mm. England. Yeah, that's kind of like yeah that's when uh, yeah don't when don't the, do that to the, the US lost listeners. When the U.S. lost to Trinidad and Tobago in like uh, oh yeah half yeah. qualifying, and then later that year the U.S. lost to Trinidad and Tobago in the four by four. I thought that's kind of similar to that. It's like history repeats itself. So basically, whatever happens in soccer, you know <laughs> a, a match like that is going to happen in the athletics in within a year of that match. So for those keeping track of the World Cup, keep an eye on it because what happens in 2022 in the World Cup. That's either going to happen at the 2022 uh, Worlds or it's going to happen at 2023 or 2024. So, so if USA win, so all we need is USA to win the World Cup for us to be back relevant in athletics after our poor 2021 championships. So it's not looking good for us if we're relying on our men's national team, but they're doing better. <laughs> this is becoming a soccer podcast. US men's <laughs> national, they 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 won the Gold Cup. They beat Qatar. They beat Can. They beat uh, Mexico. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm rambling. There you go. No, I, mean, it's I, I, I the wish momentum. US soccer was better. That's. I, I just wish they US soccer off was better momentum. than they are. It's, it's a little mm. disappointing. Anyway, all right. So men's four by one. I know I won. Do you? Is there any? What? Let's just like cap off the men's four by one. Talking a little bit more about the the US not being there. I know I gave like my normal take that it was because. I gave my horrible take, according to the world, that is because Team yeah, USA is too distracted with individual stuff. Um, but I've been hearing some quotes from like uh, some of the athletes, and they mentioned that like they don't, they didn't know who was on the relay until like forty-eight hours before, and they also didn't mm-hmm. like practice as much. And like I can understand not knowing who's on the relay for the four by four. Because it's a 400, and you just want to say, you just want to find who's the fittest. Like, I get it. Wait till we figure out who's who's looking good and put the best four quarter milers. But a four by one, you're not really going to lose fitness. You are who you are. It's all about, you know, the exchanges. And I think maybe this is a time Team USA needs to look in the mirror and be like, hey, we need to decide our four by one team. Like, not 48 hours after the 100. We need to decide mm-hmm. it, like, 48 hours after the trials and the only way the relay changes if there's a legitimate injury and there's no like let's wait to see how you do at the olympic final and then we'll decide Mm -hmm. no we saw how they did at the u.s trials final and use that as the basis no more like give them one last chance to get on the relay and i think that was the problem i i agree i think anything is an improvement in terms of what they what they put out there again this isn't just a one championship issue this has been going back for years now of that basically 50 percent or slightly below 50 percent success rate of just getting the baton around the track and qualifying to the final and finishing the final and not getting disqualified yeah i i wouldn't i mentioned before hey just until we figure it out go four five six seven from trials and then run it because you could pull up italy's pbs and we talked about jacob's run 980 and Tortu being a 999 guy, but top to bottom, US 4567 could run with them. Their yeah. their splits would be even, or or it would be an advantage to the US because look at how fast um, that squad would be. And if you go 4567, yeah, you're going to include people who are in the, the, the 200. So maybe 
for this year. So maybe it would have been a weird year to do that. But in general, I'm all for just settling on the group, have them practice for a month leading into the Olympics, get them sharp and as focused as possible and, and see if that works. And then if you're getting outrun just because you're not fast enough, okay, then you can make the, the tweaks and changes from there. But that's not even the, the main issue right now. The main issue is just getting the stick around. And I watched Carl Lewis's Instagram live and he talked a lot about his main point was just create a system, create standards basically. So everybody knows how the US four by one is going to pass the stick and they learn it. So that way you can plug people in and it's consistent from year to year. He didn't, he didn't advocate for, oh, we need this super long training camp or anything like that. He, he may, mainly focused on just developing a cons consistent system that they use from year, you know, year into year out, which I interpreted, and I don't know if this is correct or incorrect, but I interpret it as like, well, then you can have shorter practice windows and it won't be as big of an issue because everybody knows the US way to pass the baton. And again, I don't know. I don't know if that would, that would work. He seemed pretty passionate about it. He also mentioned getting multiple people on the relays probably is a bad thing. And a lot of it's agents being involved because they want to get their person a gold medal. So you get somebody, you get, you have six people in and like, there's just, he said there's too many cooks in the kitchen is how he, he described it. And you can definitely see that being an issue. So I would be fine with, yeah, just settle on the four early, have them learn the system and then, and then stick with it. If the person you have doesn't run well in the, in the open hundred, who cares if they're not hurt and if uh, they're motivated now to get going and they've learned their leg and they know exactly what to do, keep them in there. I know I mentioned this uh, maybe during the pandemic in 2020, like, uh, you know, have a, like a relays qualifying, right? Where you, in order to make, in order to represent Team USA in the relay, you have to win the, the relay championship in US, right? And so mm. basically people just create their, it basically, it makes it teams, right? So then basically Fred Curley's going to be like, all right, I got to pitch to three other guys to make to be yeah. on my relay or no allows i got yeah. three and then maybe you know super teams form right you you get a a big three forming but then they're incentivized to practice for it because then they go through rounds and so by the time they get to the olympics they had been doing this it's not the first time they've done it they did it through a mm -hmm. pressure situation where they were trying to win yeah. a, a spot on the team it would be an interesting way because i think it would work its way out i think if you told all the 100 meter runners hey you got to build your own four by one. I think mm -hmm. the best would kind of flock to each other. Right. And I think the people who don't want to work with each other would not work with each other. And I think you'd have two pretty even teams that come out. I think you would have, you know, a one, a, a and a one B. And I think whichever one gets put on the track is going to do well. Right. And mm -hmm. you know, yeah. yeah, four by one's yeah, one of those yeah. weird things where it's, you just you don't need the four fastest PBs to win. You just need the four best handoffs. The difference between nine eight and nine nine kind of goes out the window a lot with these relay exchanges. It's not the same with the drive. It's not like you. Know, it's not. It has nothing to do with your start. You know, like only one person's come out the blocks. Your yeah. uh, four by one. A four by one split is not really that related to your open hundred meter time because there's so many different mm -hmm. dynamics to it. 
It's how you want to mm-hmm. curve. It's how you do this, that, the other thing that like just saying, oh, add up nine, eight, nine, eight, nine, eight, nine, eight. We win. No, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think because U.S. needs to, their advantage is their depth. So use your depth to your yeah. advantage. Italy has to put Jacobs on their four by one team to have a shot. The U.S. theoretically wouldn't need to do that because they could just overwhelm teams with their depth. But you have to make it into the race, and you have to not get DQ'd first. Italy got that done. Credit to them. All right, let's move on to the women's women's uh, 15 and women's 400. Start first with the women's 400. Shawnee Miller-Weibo defends her Olympic title. Dominant race here, Gordon, as we expected. 48.36, just one one-hundredth off her personal best from Doha. Polino of Dominican Republic sets another PB, another national record, 49.2 for second. And then in third, from lane number nine, Allison Felix, 49.46. That's the second best time of her career. Gets the bronze medal that puts her at 10 Olympic medals. And she's got now an individual medal in five straight Olympic Games, which I think only, only Merlin Adi has done that on the track. So, man, just a clutch performance again for Felix. Credit to Miller Weibo for coming back. You know, after the the, the two two hundred early on in the season, she's saying mostly two hundred. She pivots, does the four. Paulino has a season of her life. Jamaica goes four five. This was a this was this was a fun race. Fun race to watch, and I think Miller Weibel really put her stamp on it on that second curve from 200 to 300. Because I saw her in the backstretch, I thought, okay, she's playing it cautious, playing it cautious. And McPherson went out super fast here. You're seeing this animation again if you're watching uh, live. But this this is where she really started to to separate on that third hundred. So by the time you got to 100 to go, it was all she wrote. Felix was in good position there, and I thought, hey. I'm going to bet on Allison Felix over that last 100. She just outleans McPherson by about 0.15 for bronze. But go. I think Felix just needed a solid first 300, and then that would carry her to the last 100, and that's ended up uh, what exactly happened. Yeah, and, I mean, Shawnee Miller-Weibo, like, she made a 48-3 look easy. I mean, it's not yeah. like – she ran an incredible time. She set a new PB. It, like oh, she, she missed the, PB, the field. It wasn't even. Well, it was American missed record. The PB. Oh, the PB. No, it was a PB. Miller Weibo. What's her PB? I thought yeah. she missed it by point oh one. Oh, did she get it by point oh one? My apologies. I know she, she got, got it. it by point oh. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. PB number six. Forty-eight. She was forty. Uh, she was forty-eight thirty-seven in Doha, and then she was forty-eight thirty-six here. Yes. Yeah. So so new PB makes it look. I felt like easy and. I kind of think it's going to get overlooked, right? Because obviously you have the Allison Felix story, but Shana Milawebo, mm-hmm. legit, like back to back 400 individual gold. It's hard to do. Not many people do that. It's showing that she truly is dominating this event. And uh, I'm, I was utterly impressed. I thought that what she was doing with this 200 felt weird. I was like, why are you even bother doing it if you're just going to jog mm-hmm. the final? Made no sense. Then she kind of shook her head after the semifinal, and I was like, is something up? Like, is she, is, she, is she not does she know something that we don't know that she might not be fully healthy so but then it all went out the window that no oh no everything was fine the whole time she was just w- yeah. waiting to run a 48 three uh in the final <laughs> um very impressive well this and uh if you yeah so 
if you go back to her first round of the 400, if you just if you just kind of ignore the the 200 part, which I know is hard to do, especially when you're racing against such good competition. But if you go back to the first round of the 400, she looked ridiculously easy jogging a 50. And that's when I knew, okay, 48 is definitely in play. I didn't know she'd go this fast because that Doha race almost seemed like a one-off with her and Nasser. And Nasser went went, you know, went crazy and runs 48-1. And I remember being there after that race and she just kind of has to shrug your shoulders like what more can i do because at that point you know she had one in 16 but 17 she had that issue the last 50 meters kind of stumped tied up and stumbled and then gets passed and then she gets beaten by nasser even though she runs this massive pb man she had some some interesting breaks here but then just writes the ship entirely this year and goes 48 48-36. Yeah, spectacular for her. Paulino, just a breakout performance. And then obviously Felix now, again, gets it done for the fifth fifth Olympics. I, I'm i not going to say a bronze is more impressive than a gold. So if you're just looking at her individual Olympic performances and you stack those up, I would almost put this number two, though, behind that gold. When you take into account the competition, but also you know what she's gone through the last couple years and no one's run like a 35 year old woman has never run as or older has never run as fast as she's she's run and this is now if you go back to 2004 this is now 17 years of her (laughs) being relevant in track and field and as i mentioned before five olympics where she's getting medals just this was people will tune in who i've not paid attention to track and they'll be like oh allison felix she's back again that makes sense but this was not supposed to happen right? Not even like the medal was an outside shot even after the trials because she got, she, she got beat at the trials. And then if you go back six months before that, before she even had the outdoor season, there was questions about whether she'd even make the team. And those were all legitimate questions based on how good the event is and how she was running. And people in, you know, in prime time are going to tune in tonight and they're just like, wow, Felix, Silver last time and bronze this time. No, no, that's not the way. You should interpret this as one of the best races of her career, given what she's been through and and who she had to race here. So obviously the big talk about Allison Felix is where does this rank her in her legacy? I'm not sure if she's still going and she plans on running in 2022, but if the, has she said that she's retiring yet? I don't know. I feel like she wouldn't. She, she said it's her last more, Olympics. Right? She said it's her last Olympics. Okay, so she's. So I don't. It would not surprise at least me. Go this through, is it. So she'll at least go through 2022 then. Because, you know, it's at, it's in, it's at home, whatever. Regardless. I don't know. Um, where do you. Th- Let's not talk about like track and field legacy and, and figure out like global titles and all that stuff. Let's just look purely at Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know, she officially uh, broke uh, Merlin Audi's record for most medals in an Olympic Games. Yeah. Alison Felix is at 10. She's going to get to 11 because she's gonna, they're going to win the 4x4, four four, or if not, medal at least. So she'll be 11, and 11 makes her break Carl Lewis for most by an American. The most by anyone is Pavo Nermi from the like 1920s. Mm-hmm. But he was like, you know, anyone who has records in the 1920s just doesn't count, in my opinion, because it wasn't the real <laughs> wow. Olympics yet, right? It just it doesn't count. Come on. I mean, Some people disrespect. are running three-hour marathons and winning. Right, but let's just be honest. So I honestly think uh, when you look at like male and female combined, 
I still would mm-hmm. put Usain Bolt and Carl Lewis as a one-two. I'll probably argue Bolt one, Carl Lewis two. And the main reason why, Bolt, he's got won the records, and he just it's just eight golds. Like it's just like all gold. It's eight golds. Never, you know, it's just like boom, mm-hmm. eight golds. Mm-hmm. Never lost at the Olympics. And then it should have been nine, but obviously there's a DQs, but that doesn't count. And then Carl Lewis, nine golds, one silver. And Carl Lewis and Usain Bolt, the, the advantage they have is Carl Lewis did it mainly all in individual events. Like, Carl yeah. Lewis doesn't yeah. have a lot it's... of his Olympic medals from relays. So that makes me look at him as like, okay, like, Bolt and Carl Lewis, I think, should be our one-two. So then the question is, all right, is Allison Felix the best female? And I think that her competition all time would be Merlin Audi and Veronica mm-hmm. Campbell-Brown. Um. And then yeah. I looked up, like, they're both Jamaicans. So Merlin Audi, she has three silver and six bronze. Mm-hmm. She has gold. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven individual to Allison's five individual, right? Because Allison has five, five straight individual medals. Um, mm-hmm. So, five. but Merlin Audi doesn't have gold. So you kind of have to, like, I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And then Veronica Campbell-Brown, she has two gold, which is – in, in, in individual events, which is more than Allison Felix. She only has one individual gold at the Olympics. But mm-hmm. she only has four individual medals, right? And she doesn't have as many relay golds, but, like, whatever. So I think it's going to be a between Veronica. Long story, long-winded way to saying the <laughs> GOAT debate, the female Olympic track and field GOAT debate is between Veronica Campbell-Brown and Allison Felix. And that is who we should be deciding who is the all-time GOAT. What are your thoughts on me creating those as the two nominees to decide between? And do you think it's already been decided? I think those are the three when you're looking, especially at longevity, because those two plus Felix have this career that spanned five Olympics. Now, if you want to look at other some other standard, I'll I'll listen to that argument. But the longevity is what puts those three in that category. Audi, you're right, no golds. And then one of those Olympics, it's not her fault, was 80, which was a boycotted games. VCB, she got medals in five, but one of them, it was only a relay. So she didn't get individual goal, uh, individual medal in all five. So that's where you could make the argument for Felix. But yeah, she has more actual golds. You know, she beat Felix in those 200s in, in 04 and... 2008 so yeah that would be your that would be your argument for for felix is that she has a gold medal and she did it five consecutive individual um and she got five consecutive individual medals but again i mean if you're if you're pulling for uh jamaica with bcb or jamaica slash slovenia because at the end of adi's career she competed for slovenia uh you could you could just you could flip that around and say well yeah audi audi uh had more individuals and then you could say vcb had more golds felix kind of she's she threads that middle ground between the two wouldn't you say yeah and i i completely ignored the inflated like multiple four by the relay four by four goals yeah the relays are tough allison has but here's the thing though here's the thing it, yeah, because it's not like if you're comparing like her career to like Shawnee Miller Weibo's career, 
Like if we do that in 10 years, it's not fair that Shawnee Miller Weibo didn't have three other women for her country that could run yeah. 50 seconds. Right. But, but if there's one country you could compare to the U S in terms of sprints and having the ability to get medals in relays, it would be Jamaica. So I think this is the most relevant, a relay discussion could be, even though still, Hey, their success is hinging on three other people. Um, if you are going to have that conversation, it doesn't make sense a lot of the times, but in this case, maybe it would make sense because, Hey, us and Jamaica are, are almost always squaring off and always having multiple women in, in, in the relays. Now, obviously this big three, it's all about longevity, right? With auto Audi Campbell Brown and Felix. Mm -hmm. But like, if you look at what, um, Elaine Thompson Hurrah has already done yeah, four golds, yeah. individually golds, right? Like, if she just wins yeah. two more medals, like, in 2024, mm -hmm. which is possible, she'll have yeah. six medals, individual medals, four of them are gold. Like, that is going to be a, a very – that she'll have if, – if, if uh, Elaine Thompson Hurrah wins two medals in tw 2024, she'll have more individual medals than Felix – and have four gold individual golds compared to Felix's one individual gold. Like, I think Elaine Thompson, hurrah. Like, I think we're seeing, like, you know, like, Elaine Thompson, hurrah, is like the LeBron James that is just waiting to break all the records that the current era of the Kobe's and Jordan's had, right? And the Kobe Jordan, whether who was Kobe, who was Jordan with BCB versus Allison Felix, it's debatable. Obviously, Americans are going to be biased towards Felix. Jamaicans will be biased towards BCB. I think that um, Shalane, uh, Elaine Thompson Hurrah is just going to end, end up on top after 2024 when we have this podcast, hopefully still by then. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, do you think that's possible? Like, yeah, that's, that's kind of, absolutely possible. Yeah, and if Fraser, and if, yeah. well, and if Fraser Price you know, did the double here too. We'd probably already be having that conversation. But at what point do we introduce world championships to this? Or are we just looking at who's the female Olympic goat? So we introduce world championships to this when we do the podcasts after the 2022 world championships. And then we're thinking okay. about, all right, who is the greatest track and field athlete? Because we're doing Olympic themed here, but I'm making sure I'm making it obvious because I tweeted out that I hate the people who uh, use Olympic medal stats as the only stats that matter? And I said it'll be like mm -hmm. it'll be like the Golden State Warriors are only didn't win any national uh, NBA titles because they didn't win. They lost in 2016 to the Cavs, and the 15, 17, and 18 wins didn't count because it was non-Olympic year. So I'm 100% in, in favor of com using Olympic titles and global titles as the same thing. Just for this argument, I just want to say who's the Olympic. She, goat, yeah, not the track okay, and field goat, and we can have the track yeah. and field goat conversation after 2022, when then you can compare, talk about Alice Felix's 2007s and 09s and you know 11. She's got four golds. That, right? so, She's got four individual yeah. world championship golds too. Like that's where, that's where she was always getting payback against VCB was in those in those championships, yeah. like in the in the world championship years, like 05 gold in the 200, 07. Gold in the 200. Oh, nine. Gold in the 200. Then she goes to 2011. She gets silver there in the four. 
20, 2013 is when she got hurt, but then 2015 gold in the, in the, in the 400. Um, and then, you know, she's got other, she obviously got a lot of relay medals there too, which again, we'll, we'll put aside, but you know, bronze again in 2017 in the 400, she, she did a lot of her work in the, in the world championships when it comes to gold. And again, that's where, when you back up to, and then you, okay, let's compare her to Carl Lewis again, because Hey, her gold medal counts ticking up. Well, for a good portion of Carl Lewis's career, the world championships weren't every other year. So he didn't have the opportunity to compete at as many world championships as the current athlete does. So it's an interesting debate and one again, that I think is going to be escalated, but the stat that the stat that's the most impressive to me is just five straight Olympics with an individual medal. That is just, it's hard to refute that. And it puts her in such elite company um, in this sport. You know, it puts her in that group. So that way you can say, Hey, who was, it's just an easy shorthand way to say, who was really, really good for a really long time? Because a lot of people have been really good for a short period of time. A lot of people have been good, but not great for a long period of time. But that three that you mentioned, and now with Felix adding that group, that means you were great for a really long time. Women's 1500. Yeah. Okay. Women's 1500. Let's do it. Talking about goats. Right, we've been talking about Woo, yes. Allison Felix legacy, but man, Faith Kivyagon, is she the greatest miler we've ever seen? She could be. This is her third gold, Gordon, two silvers. Remember, she she gave birth and, and came back in into 2019 and Safan Hassan beat her in in Doha and you know, she went on uh obviously Safan Hassan to to go on this this run and then attempt this triple here. I think it might be Kipiegon. 353 just made it look pretty, pretty straightforward. Who is the best in this race? Now, Hassan, obviously, she's going to be tired. At this point, she's run the 5,000 as well as the 1,500 meter heats. So I'm not surprised that she was gassed. But even if you take Hassan out of this, Laura Mears are really good. Like, there's a lot of very good runners in this field. And Kipiegon was just. Gordon, it was way easier than I thought it was going to be for her. Yeah, way easier. I, I thought maybe Monaco, after seeing what uh, Safana San was doing in the five, having that kick in that 1500 mm-hmm. prelim that she fell, I thought, oh, maybe Monaco is just like an outlier when she just got smoked by Faith Kipiega. And I was like, maybe Hassan knows something that we don't, mm-hmm. that she knows she has some edge on Kipiega, and we're all going to see it here in this final and i thought that through the first two laps i was like whoa hassan she has Mm -hmm. a plan she's going right to the lead she's not sitting in the back yeah why all right she why'd she do that she might be like i don't know but i'm thinking she knows something she has a plan that's so great that this is gonna take the kick out of kipiegon and it didn't nothing nothing changed kipiegon just like smoked them and it was like Mm -hmm. i I was just like it wasn't even close it was just like a non-factor that it it was Kip Yegon versus the world, and she just – I thought I thought we would see something special. The fact that Hassan was going for the triple, I thought maybe – yeah, but no. Kip Yegon's ain't having any of it. No, you can have your double, but you ain't getting no triple. Uh, I get my single. So, so Kip Yegon, the goat of the single because she's winning a lot of these 1500s at the global level. Yeah, specialization wins out here. 
Yes. I thought it looked like Safan Hassan was doing in this race what we think other people should do to Hassan in the 5,000 and the 10,000, which is, hey, I know another person can close better than I can. I'm going to make this an honest race. But given that she had all those other laps in her legs, I was surprised that she did it. I thought she'd say, hey, you know what? Maybe I can, maybe my top end is going to be better than Kip Yegon. Because she basically played the role of rabbit and she was, what was a 62 point for the first lap. Then it was 64. They were running really fast early on. So she basically played that role. And when Kip Yegon went by and she went by a little earlier than I thought she would, I thought she'd just try to replay Monaco, but she went by with about 200 to go. You know, Hassan had no response. And then it became more of a race for, for silver and bronze with Laura Muir coming up there. But it did surprise me that Hassan didn't just say, you know what? I'm not going to do any work here because I'm coming in tired. I know I can close. I may not be able to close as fast as Kip Yegon, but that's going to be my best shot to win. And, and she didn't do that. I, now I'm really fascinated to see what she does coming back in the 10,000. Because if you're G'day, you're looking at this and you're going, all right, she's be we've seen her get beat. She's not, she's not superhuman. She can be beaten. And now I think you're obviously also going to see G'day run the playbook that we thought she was going to run, which was go to the front, make it incredibly difficult for Hassan to stick with her. Yeah, and Hassan didn't just get beat by an all-time great in Kipiegon. She still got beat by Laura Muir, who is good, who has been a metal threat all year long for the past, like, an all past four seasons long. But I think that also shows that it's not like, oh, it only takes the greatest of greats to beat Hassan. That's not true because mm -hmm. she got third here. I think I think there's an avenue open there in that 10K. Where Hassan may – how many – she's run, what, uh, 14,500 meters? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you got to be tired. You don't want to do another 10,000 of it. Like, and it's mm -hmm. tomorrow? You already got your gold. You got two medals? Like, yeah. you think but it's let's, also going to be like a mental but, thing fighting Hassan being like, hey, like, what am I doing here? Like, I think there's a chance that Hassan doesn't win the 10. Like. After I think there's this, a I chance Hassan won this. I think if she won this, she would have been like overly favored to win the 10K. But now that she has this performance, I think she's not the favorite anymore. Let's just put this in perspective, though. Nobody does non-sprint triples. Yeah. And we're still looking at her with the possibility of getting three medals in these three yeah. events. This would be a remarkable achievement if she is oh, able to, oh yeah. to complete it. And even if she finishes fourth out of the medals, the audacity to go for that and to come away with a gold and a bronze is legendary stuff. So, yeah, I would not blame her at all if she falls out of the medals. I'm not going to be surprised if she wins gold. But I don't – I never thought to be successful she had to get three golds. I think this success was just one gold. And then I guess you could quibble with, hey, did she – now has she put in the 10K gold – at risk because she went for the 15 yeah okay I'll, I'll hear that argument but still i think it was a worthy endeavor to go for it and as someone who wants to see the best people run multiple times over the course of these 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 meets like you know I, I i watch swimming and i see uh katie ledecky and uh dressel swim 62 races it's just like i want that for track and field uh but i know it's not possible I love it when the superstars put themselves out there and, and test them. Let's give some props to Muir, though. 
I mentioned the preview. Laura Mir's last four major championships, fifth, seventh, fourth, fifth. She was always there, but always running into a better field. And she gets silver and gets the national record, 354.50. She picked right in terms of the events. This was good that she went 15 and not eight. And I think this race played out perfectly for her because it looked like a diamond league. And there were fewer tactical decisions that need needed to be made. And we've seen time and time again, she's she's capable of of hanging with the big dogs in this event. She's capable of being one of the big dogs when the opportunity presents itself and she finally gets an, an Olympic medal. She was just, it would have been strange for her to go her whole career or go into the back end of her career never having a medal, like the amount of time she's been in big races. Yeah. Yeah, this is well-earned for Laura Muir. She's always been, yeah, you mentioned, she's always just been up against like all-time great fields or at least the top half of the field, right? And, mm -hmm. all you know, the phrase, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Now she finally got her, her bride, got to be the bride here and, and get that medal. Mm -hmm. And I think she's, I mean, national record for her, big PB, 354, ain't no joke. Yeah. I mean, she ain't it's going perfect. anywhere. Like she's going to, yeah. she's going to be set up to hopefully get another um, medal. I don't know if Hassan mm -hmm. does the 15 maybe anymore. Maybe Hassan's like, all right, I ain't going to be here anymore. You know, mm -hmm. there's no Shelby Houlihan coming up anymore. So, like, Muir Muir, it's going to have, like, a kind of a stranglehold on future potential medals in the next two to three mm -hmm. years. Yeah. Kipiegon is, is there. But, yeah, when you look at the whole medal picture, it, it definitely looks looks good. So, what, eight women total went sub four in the, this race. This was pretty quick. Uh, Purdue St. Pierre, first American in 10th, 401. And then Corey McGee in 12th with 405. All right, is it? Do we want to go back to the four by one now? Do you have any? Do we have any updates on the four by one? Do we have any updates? I don't know. I don't know if Travis is refreshing the results. So still, still there, Jamaica. Yeah. Let me check uh, Andre Lowe's Twitter. He's the one who. He's a Jamaican reporter. He's the one who was reporting it. And twenty nine minutes ago, I can now confirm there has been no protest filed against the Jamaicans in the women's four by one. Oh. The result will stand. I just received confirmation from the World Athletics delegate and a TIC official here. Sorry for distress. Happy Independence Day, Jamaica. <laughs> Hashtag Tokyo 2020. That was uh, Jama Listen, uh, Andre this... Lowe of Jamaica. He's the one who he's the one who broke the story of. I think he broke the Shakari Richardson story, didn't he? Yeah. So here's uh, the reason why yeah, you wait to talk about that. it. Here's the reason why you don't yeah. clip it in the beginning, Gordon. That's that's exactly why. Because he's saying there was no protest even filed. He's saying there was no protest even filed. All right. So now let's just talk about this race. Now that we know the podium will stay intact. Jamaica, U.S., Great Britain. Jamaica adds Fraser Price and Thompson Hurrah from the first round. They win with a 41.02. U.S., 41.45. Great Britain, 41.88. The U.S. added in Thomas and Prandini to go with their team of Javian Oliver and Tiana Daniels. Jamaica went with Brianna Williams on the leadoff, then to Thompson Hurrah, then to Fraser Price, and then they anchored with Sharika Jackson. So you had the podium from the women's hundred. So this should not come as a shock to anyone. I thought the U.S. ran really well for silver here. I mean, you're going against one of the all-time greats there in Jamaica. 
I think Jamaica had you know some issues with the handoffs. Otherwise, that world record would have gone out the window there. So there's no, I mean, props to Jamaica. You put together one of the best collections of talent ever. And I think the U.S. ran up to their potential for silver. And you could say the same thing about Great Britain for, for bronze. Yeah, it, it's kind of wild that, you know, that was a Jamaican record that I thought they had a, a faster record because I felt like a little met. I, I just felt in my mind, I was like, they're going to run 40.7 or 40.6. Yeah. And just demolish yeah. the world record. Just seeing the way things were going. But obviously they had the, a couple exchanges that weren't perfect. And that, I mean, that's what it takes to kind of take away a world record chance. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of, I'm a little, little bummed because I wanted them to break the world record. I thought it would be cool <laughs> to watch. But I'm kind of nervous now that, like, maybe this will be the best they've ever could be, right? Is Are they going to be even better in 2022? I mean, I guess it's all going to be on Shelly Ann yeah. keeping her fitness, right? Because she's going up against, you know, time, right? Her age. So. The question is, well, can they, they maintain this type of dominance into 2022 to get a second crack at a world record attempt? If they keep the same group together, you'd think Williams would be faster because she's so young. So even if they lose some time there, they could drop some time somewhere else. And remember when I brought up the PBs of the U.S. or the season best of the U.S. team in 2012 that had the Olympic record and the world record and how far Jamaica was in front of them? Well, that was before Thompson Hurrah ran the the 10 six in the, in the hundred final and the 21 five in the 200. So just mathematically you line up the splits again. I know that's not how four by ones work, but I bring that up to say they could drop some time. Like they could, they could get slower <laughs> before 2022 and still have a shot at the record. If the, if the exchanges are, are really good. Cause I'm like you, I thought, I, I thought that it was going to be 40 point something at the very least. So when the 41 came up on the clock, I said, Oh, that's, that's 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 a bit slower than I thought. I said there must have been some baton issues just because they're so good. So much credit that to them for for getting it done. But I think this is one of the records I would circle for 2022 as as being especially vulnerable. And it looks like we're gonna go through, unless something crazy happens on the last day, Gordon, we're gonna go through these championships with three world records broken in total, which still a big number for for track and field. Yeah, we could maybe that four by four, women's four by four potentially. Women's anyway, high jump too. But, I know they've they've talked about it in the women's high jump yeah. as well too. What do you do? You it, it, one thing that's kind of a bummer about relays, especially four by ones, is that obviously you, you only get to see them like once, like three times every four years, right? You only get to see them at global yeah, championships, yeah. and I know they create yeah. like a world relays and all that stuff, but like what's stopping like these? Four women, they're they know they're in the best shape of their life. Like next week, mm-hmm. going to yeah. like and like, hey, let's let's see if we can just let's see if we can break the world record together. Let's go, let's go to Prefontaine or go to any meet somewhere and mm-hmm. then give like set up a, a relay for us to see if we can go after the world records. We see record attempts all the time in individual events. Maybe we could see a, a relay record attempt. Like, mm-hmm. why not? Right, Gordon. You're, you're cannibalizing our Monday show, which is races we want to see the rest of the season. And that's going to be on my okay. list. Sorry. There. Okay. Yeah. No, 100%. That's what I want to see. Hey, and Thompson, hurrah, three golds. Three golds. We were comparing her 
performances to bolt. And the, the, when you go one, two, four by one, that's very, very boltish. I'm with you hundred percent. Let's see it. We don't need to just see relays in world championships and Olympics. And they are definitely in shape to do it. And how many yeah. t- opportunities are you going to get for all four people to be in shape? Because this isn't just exactly. a, a one woman show here. You got to have all four people clicking on all cylinders and will they be as amped up? Maybe not. Definitely not from the Olympics, but they'll still be in incredible shape and they can just focus on getting the stick around. Um, it would be, it would be fun to see. Yeah. They see a shot of uh, team USA second. Um, they were going up against an all-time great Jamaica team. So I think yeah. this was the best they could have. They, 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 they met expectations, right? The expectation mm-hmm. was them for them to be the, the best country in the world, not named Jamaica. <laughs> and that's what they did. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. There was also women's jab final. I know you had an eye on that because you thought the U S might get a medal, but Malone did not. She didn't make the final, the final three throws. She did not qualify four. So that was, if you're keeping tabs of the, the medal count, that was a, a bad break for the U S uh, uh, Xi Ying of China wins it. Uh, Andrew check of Poland second. And then Barber of Australia gets the bronze. I don't think Australia's gotten, Australia's done really well, but I don't think Australia has a gold yet. And I thought that might've been where they could get a gold because they had three women into the final you see malone there never got above 60 meters so she she threw farther in her in in qualifying than she actually did in the in the final should we do a little recap on gordon's uh gambling addiction and see if he can come out on top i want i want i want to know your take to see if you think because there's one day of competition left right i'm gonna send travis an updated sheet of my gambling Mm -hmm. And I want you to tell me, am I going to end up positive or negative? Because I won some money on Tolimo, right? That helped me out a bit. But I lost some money on other events, clearly. But Travis, I just sent a, a, a text message. But Kevin, I want you to dissect the final eight bets I have in the final day. Okay. And tell me, am I going to be plus money or minus money? I'm currently negative $402. That's my current. Negative. You're down four hundred bucks. I'm down four hundred bucks. <laughs> How did this bad? happen? You were almost, you were almost up a thousand bucks, dude. Grant Holloway lost, and I had three hundred dollars on that race, and then I lost. So I lost three hundred dollars. I had a lot of uh, four. Cherry, I, I had meddling. He got fourth. I had a lot of people get fourth that had had meddling. Ricky, I had fourth. I had meddling. Got fourth. I I, I looked it up. So far, I've been, shut. I got Miss Cheptegei by one place, uh, Curly by one place, Rye Benjamin by one place, Ricky by one place, Holloway by one place, Cherry by one place, Garrett Scanling by one place, and Paulino by one place. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of my bets could have, which is yeah. one of them, hit. I probably would be positive right now. So okay, but I've made a lot of bets. Like I'm, I'm already, I've already made like, like thirty plus bets. So it's not that bad. I've already spent three thousand okay, dollars, and I'm only down four hundred. That's not that bad. Yeah, it's bad. You, you're losing money. That's not good. Okay, uh, just let me okay. be clear on that. That's, that's not good. You don't want to lose money. Let me look at these real quick. Okay, so you have Jipchirchir to metal. That's fine. Mahuchik for gold. 
She's a minus favorite. Uh, Obiri, you got to feel better about after what yeah. happened with Hassan, but she's still got to get by Gaday, which is tough. On that parlay with Najat and Vetter, you already got Najat through, so you just need Vetter to come. That's a big one for you, 540. I think that's your best shot. Inga Britson, yeah. plus 250. I thought he looked good. I guess I guess you like that because Cherry didn't win his heat, if you are going to read into that. Great Britain, women's 4x4, okay. Botswana, men's 4x4, I think you feel better about that. After today, they qualified second fastest mark. That'd get you 350. Rupp to medal, I mean, you keep talking about this. Is it possible? Yes, but I think you're downplaying a bit how good the rest of that field is going to be. Uh, yeah, I didn't know you were in such dire straits. Dude, Why no, did you? No, you, no, oh, you bet yeah. Germany to German women. Okay, German women to medal, but you only lost forty nine bucks on that one. Okay, I'm just looking at your whole list here. Yeah. That was a plus twelve hundred. That was a good bet. Like, I, I'm I'm trying to find, get the winners. So I've lost a lot, but I'm only down. Again, I bet three thousand dollars, and that means I've I've made two thousand and six hundred dollars. So I'm only mm-hmm. like, like there's a lot there's a lot of wins. Can you there, pull so. up? Can you pull up the odds, the current odds right now? I'd like to see them for the of marathon what, of what event of the marathon, men's I marathon, do right now. women's marathon. Can you get that up? Because I I would like to see what Kipchoge is. I'd like to see what Kosgai is as well too, and I'd like to see yeah, if the uh, if the Looks like the odds are not up right now. Oh mm-hmm. man, did they take them all down? Yeah, they took out. They took down the odds. So um, they got all Kipchoge your money. was the favorite. Yeah, they have all my money, so they don't need anyone else's money anymore. They got it all from me. Kipchoge was the favorite. I think it was minus two hundred. And uh, okay. up, uh, the the I forget her name. Uh, uh, Bridget Cosguy. She was the favorite, mm-hmm. but she was only like slight favorite. She was like minus 100 or something like that yeah so i would on the men it's just not minus one minus 118 i mean minus 200 for kipchoge still seems like a good value because he's the goat and he's only lost one race over the past several years so he doesn't seem like he's enough of a favorite to me when you go to the women's side of things though you got Jep Chircher, which is not it's not a bad bet, but you can make an argument for any one of those three. I think Chep Negic, though, would have pretty good value, especially because she's the 2019 world champ when it was ridiculously hot and horrible conditions. And if it's going to be really warm out there again, I think she could be someone to keep an eye on. Kazguy as the favorite, yeah, but unless she's like a really, really, really small favorite, I don't know if there's enough value there given how volatile the marathon could be so i would go chef negic and and kipchoge with my two marathon bets yeah but yeah i'm not i'm not betting gold on those right i'm betting metal so that's the that's the key here you have more money yeah and i still have i still have rup though yeah i still have rup in that three to seven range and hey maybe maybe the weather is going to be the great equalizer here but in the marathon, you got Toronto, who's won Boston and Chicago recently. You got Kipruchu, Tasisa, Katata, Lemma, Osbilin, Abdi, Rusum of Eritrea. It's it's been so long since Rupp ran an international marathon that it's tough to be like, okay, this is why he's like you're just basically closing your eyes and jumping into a into a pool with him. Which listen, that's been your gambling strategy this whole time, right? 
Just close your eyes exactly. and go for it. Close your eyes. I mean, I could have lost $4,400. And right now, the worst I can lose is $1,200. So it's not that bad. Here's what I'll say about the marathon, though, on the men's side. I feel better about Kipchoge winning than I do about anybody else meddling. And that's why I would go in the Kipchoge direction. I'm not actually going to bet, put my own money yeah, on it, because I you feel, are an like... example of a of of why I you shouldn't do that. But uh, that that like it's pretty open after Kipchoge with with several different names there. But it wouldn't surprise me if one of those people DNFs, and that would be a big time sure. bummer. See, at least if you bet the hundred, you can be in it for fifty uh, percent of the race, or at least you're not <laughs> mad for for five miles or 13 miles, you could have your money on somebody and they could drop out at 10 K and then you're just watching the race and you're thinking about that for two more hours. Oh, you want to talk about what sucks is I watch these races in the morning where I lose. So I watch Michael Cherry get out leaned by Karani James and lose a hundred dollars. And then later that night, I got to watch it again in prime time because they show all the morning races a second. So I literally have to watch these races where I'm like, yep, Jamariki, she fell apart in the final 10 meters and took away my hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. Yep. Here, another loss. Oh, here's USA. Drop it. Uh, not, not making the final, all that stuff. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> lesson, but I think Rupp though, I, I just, I feel like Rupp is, he's so focused on this one race. He hasn't run a marathon in since the, um, the trials. I think mm -hmm. he's ready to go. I think, um, there's a I reason so. why he didn't do it because he's putting, he's, he only has a few marathons left. I feel like in his legs and he's saving, Saving one big one for the Olympic final. But we'll find out. Uh, we're going to be doing cool podcasts during the marathons tonight at 4 o'clock Central, 5 Eastern, 2 o'clock, I guess, uh, West Coast. Lincoln yeah, Strike. Yeah. I don't know how many people from the, the West pod. Coast are going to be tuning in for that. Lincoln Strike is joining the pod to, to do some play-by-play. -play. So we're actually going to go live during the marathon. So it'll be a two-hour two podcast. Watch the marathon together, mm -hmm. react, debate. Two and a Kevin half. and Lincoln will talk shit behind my back. It'll be great. It's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. So we'll be back in a few hours, right? We'll be back in what? Five, six hours? I'll be ready to yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. I got I to gotta study up. I got to get prepped. I got to be ready for the Lincoln experience. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in on the live stream. Remember to subscribe to the Flow Track Podcast YouTube channel. Thank you to Alon. Thank you to Travis. I will see you in a couple hours. Gordon's taking the marathon off, but he'll be back tomorrow morning. Until next time. See you.